Welcome to BIV Today, where the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe. I'm Haley Wooden. Today on the show, our tech panel discusses Tesla, food delivery services, and how AI will disrupt our economies. A wide range of innovative, disruptive technologies are making payments and transactions easier for businesses now. And on September 13th, BIV's FinTech panel is going to look at how small and medium-sized businesses can make informed decisions in this new landscape. Tickets and information are available, as they are for all of our events, at BIV.com slash events. Our weekly tech panel joins us now, Ali Pordad, CEO at Progressa, and Linda Fawkes, founder and CEO of Glue Technology Society. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Let's start with uh, Tesla. There's been a lot of fallout over the last few weeks after Elon Musk's tweet about taking the company private, first a federal investigation, falling share prices, now concerns about his mental health, then his physical health. Uh, Linda, how concerned should we be, do you think? I'm not sure I should be. I'm not as concerned as Arianna Huffington. I don't think that Elon needs a nap room <laughs> yet, but I'm pretty sure we found a bug in his operating system. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's hit a glitch. And as the CEO of uh, an important technology company slash car manufacturer, I think um, it shows, it seems to me that he's taken his eye off the ball that he needs to be juggling in the air right now. And and this is not a good thing. Doesn't look good on him. Doesn't look good for Tesla. Ali, uh, is he suffering? Well, he's, he's suffering, obviously, in a lot of ways because he appears to have real stress right now. And and I have some empathy for what I'm seeing there because I've seen so many great executives uh, have to deal with the fact that they just get trapped. They go down their own rabbit hole in this case. Is he really suffering principally from just not having a right hand person? I, I think he has a I think he has a pretty strong team over at Tesla. I, I actually think the issue is partially, you know, himself and then partially now it looks like the media is starting to really get on him pretty hard. So this is what, sort of one of those situations where, you know, the media has had a, a you know a sniff at at probably some weakness, some 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 holes in so the, the armor. Symptom of media giant killing. And now and now I think they just they they're sort of you know, you know, if you lose this, if you just Google, Google him online right now and just see all the negative media articles uh, about him and about his mental state, etc. I, I wonder if they're sort of now coming for him a little bit. Now, I have to say, I, I, you know, initially, I didn't think he'd done anything wrong. But then I read read more carefully and noticed that he he did actually put out in the in, in, in the media that they had secured f- funding to go private. And yeah. that's just I, I don't think that was a true statement. And that's so, going to cost him, isn't it? it I mean, it, I mean, it, it could it, be worse than the that. Securities and Exchange Commission. Absolutely. Can, yeah. Could easily move him. They, they, they frankly, penalize him and put him into jail mm-hmm. if that's the case. Exactly. And they could penalize the company severely as well. And that company is backed by, you know, large institutional capital. You know, Fidelity is, is a significant investor in them and as well as some others. And so that does not bode well for Tesla or its stock. So, you know, even before this this situation happened, we were talking about uh, how Tesla might, you know, have to go the way of the dodo bird until somebody picked it up out of bankruptcy. Well, now this, you know, this could escalate the issue. And we'll see what the SEC decides. But that aside, Linda, do you think Elon Musk and his personal brand comes back from this? Absolutely. I think he's got a million ideas floating up there at the 30,000 foot level. And uh, if Tesla rolls into another company or does go bankrupt, I have no doubt he'll come out with something bigger, brighter, shinier. 
But he's got to ask Grimes to stop inviting other celebrities to the house and writing about. Well, that's, <laughs> right. that's, that's enough. On his social side of his life. He needs life. to get some sleep. He needs a two I see in his social world for I think, sure. Yeah. I think that communication was occurring at two or three in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Well, 2.32, I think. 2.30 in the morning. Well, well, also the idea that he may have tweeted his taking the company private thing while he was driving. Yeah, there was that too. That was, oh, okay. And then there's the allegation that maybe he shouldn't, what was it that uh, Azalea said? It was, uh, shouldn't be tweeting while you're on acid. It's like, holy, oh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That, That is just getting a little spooky. Yeah. I feel bad for him. I, you know, just the. Yeah. Nice person in me feels bad. Maybe this, it's the Canadian in me. I feel bad for him. Well, and and he's he's a guy with such he's an incredibly smart man with amazing ideas that are are actually transforming our world for the better. Yeah. So we, I would love to see him with a person who could help him stay at the area his area of expertise, which is clearly ideas and ex, and leave the execution. Yeah, I know. Manufacturing Ali, to someone else. Ali, you yeah. said that he has a big team around him, but I mean, I, I I read so many pieces in the last week that say that he's really stubbornly resisted the idea of having a number a clear number two who might be the operating officer in in all of this midst to just execute against his own vision. Maybe within Tesla, you're right. Maybe within Tesla. I mean, Tesla has had a a series of uh, uh, missteps, as as everybody's aware here. Those Model Uh, 3s may only get out like next century. (laughs) But I mean, I think, uh, you know, Elon Musk as a brand, as a whole, if you look across his entire portfolio of companies, because he has more than just Tesla, I think if you looked at everything as a whole, you would think it's quite well run and successful. Like, just look at all the things, amazing things that SpaceX is doing and other companies that he's involved with are doing. Uh, just because Tesla uh, is sort of the one, the one under the under the public microscope. You know, it's public. He's he's uh, uh, he has to report to investors regularly. That's probably and he's giving causing his, a lot of it. And he's rethinking things like um, power sources. Uh, he's rethinking, Solar City. Yeah, yeah he's re- he's he's really uh, way 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 out there. And um, and in a lot of ways, I think he's he's almost a victim, Linda, of not having enough people coming with him in the same way. Like or, he, or perhaps he, he's a bit isolated. Or perhaps he just can't let go of what he needs to let go of. I, is he best placed to manufacture cars or create a distribution channel for these cars? Like maybe that's something he should just move on to somebody else who's good at that and stay with the hmm. technology of Tesla, the hmm. AI behind Tesla, the where does Tesla and Solar City go together next? Perhaps that's hmm. yeah. I mean, idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again. I think it goes back to Tesla being acquired mm-hmm. in some way, whether it's out of bankruptcy or just a sale. It'll get acquired by a bigger player. Just don't make him the host of The Apprentice or something like that. <laughs> don't, like, don't degenerate his image at this point. You know, he does that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you just put that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah some NBC person's going. Ah, right there. We Great are. idea. Great idea, Kurt. <laughs> Moving on to DoorDash, they have more than doubled their valuation for the second time in five months. It's an app where you can have food delivered from restaurants to your home or wherever you happen to be. They're now valued at $4 billion. Uh, Is this the future of food delivery? Is this where it's going? 
I mean, we've had food delivery now for a number of years. DoorDash is not the first. Uh, Uber Eats has gotten, uh, gosh, it got into be quite big. Uh, oh, pizza and Chinese food, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's the other yeah. thing that's been Just delivered. Eats. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how they're valuing these things. I mean, they're doing it off, off of, uh, clearly off of some sort of subs- multiple unsubscribers. So people that are actually using the, the application. And, and I guess there's some methodology behind it that they can support a $4 billion valuation and people are writing checks. So good for them. That's great. But if we're talking about uh, DoorDash and Tony Shu saying he wants to be the the uh, leading provider of that last mile logistics, then it really is a technology valuation, right? I mean, yeah. I think food is just the the thing he's delivering now. He's going to be delivering everything in the future. And when we look at the size of this market, I'm amazed to read 95% untapped in food delivery. So it's a massive market that's untapped. And I'm not sure that um, that raise of $535 million is that out of whack yeah. when we look at the potential. And it's yeah. still growing in North America and Latin America and Asia. So When you say that last mile, yeah. uh, it, it, what do you think could that entail? I, I'm, I'm thinking of... Uh, Maybe just replacing Canada Post entirely. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, replace the whole mail system with a DoorDash system. Yeah. could It could reach that point. Careers. Well, yeah. we look at their partnership like in mm-hmm. the States with Walmart. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're going to be delivering what is on the shelves at Walmart to your door. So I see that as, a, uh, as them perhaps going after the logistics of the Amazon world. Mm-hmm. And does it mean that I can buy now if DoorDash... Uh, expands beyond food, which we all expect they will through acquisition and strategy. Um, are they going to be able to deliver my clothes and my stuff from my local stores that I like to shop in, but I can't get to because I'm busy or I want to support my local community? And and so, the, or are they going to deliver kids home from school? Who knows if they've got that last mile logistics sorted and I trust their app as a consumer and their system, I'm going to stay there. It's sticky, right? I'm going to stay there and mm-hmm have everything delivered from them. Make mm. it convenient, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned Amazon. They're in the food space now. They, of course, are sort of masters of that logistical piece and looking at it very closely. Is there room for a DoorDash to really make meaningful gains in this space without facing either severe competition from Amazon or an acquisition? Uh, I, well, I know that Canada Post felt very threatened by Amazon for a number of years. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's all mended now and they're they're sort of working more friendly. But, uh, you know, Amazon for a great period of time was thinking about having its own postal service. Maybe it does in the US. I'm not exactly sure the differences between Canada and the US there. But uh, I think DoorDash could, you know, look, if it gets adopted and people start to use the app, just like Uber, you can start to introduce other uh, interesting features like Uber is now Uber now has an Uber Eats and and DoorDash. There's no reason it can't uh, it can't make life good in other ways. So how does it squeeze Amazon away? That's the thing I'm wondering about because Amazon, in some cases in the United States, now offers delivery within the hour. I mean, how how does it and free to Prime members? Yeah, in some yeah. of the test cases, right? And then more expensive to other players in that market. I think Amazon's charging the uh, restaurants thirty percent. Wow. For the Amazon restaurants app to deliver, where um, DoorDash is around twenty percent. But how does it muscle Amazon out? I, another opportunity, another option in the market for us consumers. That's kind of nice. I am an Amazon Prime member, so I would quite like some free delivery as part of that membership if that was a thing. So, of course, of course as a fellow Amazon Prime member, I'm always reminded of the fact it's not free. I paid my I paid my money at the beginning of the year. You did to just and I and I try to. Think, am I going to have enough delivery 
to make it worth my while. And I think, can I watch enough Prime Video to make it worth my while? <laughs> yeah, music now. <laughs> and all the That's deliveries for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and music. I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think uh, you have to look at it as uh, DoorDash is is there to take out Amazon. I think it's at some point it could just become Amazon's uh, delivery service too. Hmm. There you go. Our final topic, we've heard this one before, but artificial intelligence, it's coming for our jobs. The latest leader to talk about this is the Bank of England's chief economist saying AI could threaten a huge amount of jobs. I, I'm curious, Ali, have we grasped yet the full extent of what AI is going to do to our economies and our labor markets? No, uh, we have definitely not. It's uh we're only at the forefront of it now. We're only seeing it in industries like the taxi industry. I think it's just starting to disrupt the investment advisors. Uh, you know, it's starting to disrupt um, uh, cashiers. We're starting to see computers take over for cashiers at McDonald's now. Uh, almost globally, they're going to start to replace cashiers. But not podcast hosts and guests. No, <laughs> not <laughs> podcast hosts yet. Never. <laughs> you can go to uh, willrobotstakemyjob.com. It's a great little site couple of guys put it up based on some pretty valid stats and you can type in your job and see will robots take my job and you guys are good 90 okay. percent chance they won't 90 <laughs> percent no. chance you're good but yeah. it's a, it is uh i'm a I recreational mean, hockey goalie i don't think the robots take that over <laughs> i didn't google that i didn't yeah, i didn't put yeah. that we'll job try it we'll, go after, we'll do it after possible, the show though. we'll yeah. try it after yeah. the show be a pretty good goalie i think yeah, anyway yeah, yeah. Also, clear implications for employees. You're both employers. I'm curious what you think about the prospect of AI disrupting the work you do. Well, I um, my people work with older adults, um, seniors, and that is going to be human facing for a, a great part of that is going to be human facing for a long time. But I would say up to 30, 40 percent of that market is going to be supplemented with robot help. Absolutely. If we're talking robots, AI and robots aren't necessarily mm -hmm. the same uh, beast, but uh, in terms of caring for our senior population, this is going to be critical technology for infrastructure mm -hmm. uh, and right right over to lifting grandma off of her bed and putting her in her chair or that chair moving her around her environment, et cetera. Yeah, really mm -hmm. important for our market. Do you also see, Ali, how, um, you know, not just how it's going to intersect with your business, but what other factors are going to be there to intersect with your business? Um, you know, uh, globalization being one. Yeah. Um, I think you could say that uh, uh, labor shortages yeah. might emerge in, this, in space at times. Um, and our whole concept of what we consider to be work uh, will will also be, um, I think, changed and altered in the next number of years. Uh, like overall, it, 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 does it make it really daunting to map out where you think a business can go over even a five or a 10-year span when you've got all of these very large factors seemingly colliding? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we have to look at it at a, on a micro level. I think just if we look at it on a macro level, look at Canada as a whole, and we look at where we want to go as a country, um, you know, I think we could look at it as an opportunity. I think we could be an AI leader in the world. If AI is going to be the way of the future and the government makes concerted efforts to inv make investments and provide subsidies and, and encourage innovation, et cetera, then we could be a job creator, a net job creator, and we could have more jobs than the rest of the world, and we could have lower unemployment rates. Uh, you know, at Progress, uh, even ourselves, uh, you know, I see our future shifting towards AI. And so I'll be hiring AI experts and training my developers to learn AI. And over time, as I think the government 
starts to emphasize this, if, if they take the lead, then I, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing for Canadians. And yet, Linda, that's that's one half of this equation in all of this, because if you're taking a look at the people whose jobs will be disrupted, maybe even eliminated in some cases, does it not then behoove uh, governments and industry to try to find uh, methods by which people can have a system of lifelong learning, of, of adaptation, of, in a lot of ways, uh, transformation of their careers so that they get across the finish line. Absolutely. We need to upskill a lot of people fast because this is going to, this is going to hit us faster than, than we can imagine. I think we're, we have a, a long ticking top clock on this for a lot of people. Oh, in 10 years, in 15 years, or this isn't on my radar. It's not a thing right now. It's a thing now. The Artificial Intelligence Council that the UK government formed is a smart move. We need to be looking at this as a threat now to existing jobs and upskill these people that need to um, be moved and shifted to be, and their jobs can be complemented by AI and robotic. Because it's exactly right? some of the people that you're working with who mm -hmm. might you might say are most you know threatened by uh, this the, more of a radical transformation of of uh, industry. Well, and we look at look at what Foxconn did in the manufacturing plant they have. They they replaced over half of their jobs with robots, and they only stopped there because the government of China said, no, we need to figure out how we're going to do this. Their goal is to replace all of their 1.2 or 1.4 million jobs as quickly as they can. So if you're a person working in a factory, if you're a taxi driver, all a janitor, a waiter, these are all industries that are going to be absolutely wiped out by robotic technology and, and uh, that's and not even artificial intelligence happening yeah. behind the scenes it is a devastating time for a lot of jobs it is uh, and I'll, I'll try to come up with one more bright point and that is that you know i think the world um and i'm talking about a lot of these other countries uh that are on the other side of the, of the pond they do um have some of them have a fairly good education uh, around you know mathematics and science and actually far, probably far better than we have here in Canada. And so that bodes well, on, again, on a macro level for people going into technology and robotics and AI, because you sort of people with a math and, uh, and technology background, if you if that's the way you, you your education was emphasized as a as a, a young person, then you'll sort of gravitate towards it. So I think on a macro level, just thinking about, you know, our own immigration policies and how we're, you know, we're welcoming people from across the world to Canada. I think that's a good thing for the young generation that's coming up. We'll have stronger people in math, hopefully, stronger people in science. And hopefully that will just, the trend will go in a direction where more people understand and can leverage this technology. Yeah, I mean, I get the idea that our math and sciences are, are likely going to uh, improve here in the time ahead. But isn't, isn't it also just trying to possess or, or be taught a life skill that is going to position you to have uh, to not just be wary of change, but to actually figure out how you embrace it for your life? Because you're going to be into a, a very different environment. Uh, you know, when I, when I came into, uh, into journalism, we talked about maybe having one or two employers for a lifetime. Then it became six or seven. Now it's maybe six or seven different careers. I see people every day, older adults, born roughly before 1964, every day saying, I don't need that smartphone, I don't need the tablet, I'm good. And it's like, if we don't start to open our minds to the change, and the change is happening rapidly, and it's it can make a lot of people fearful, 
requires you to learn a new skill and look at the world in a different way, perhaps. But if we don't start to find a way to help these people open their minds and accept this technology, they're going to have a, a big problem. But if we can if we can do that and help them see that this artificial intelligence, robotic technologies can actually enhance their life, if Canada could be a leader in this space, that would be a really bright future for our seniors and for our country. Mm-hmm. Linda, Ali, as always, thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. That's Linda Focus, founder and CEO at Glue Technology Society, and Ali Pordad, CEO of Progressa. 